Welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, October 2nd edition of the podcast. We are now Scott Harrington days away from opening night. It's it's closing in faster than ever. But I'm going to cut right to the chase here, Jake. Our long national nightmare is halfway over. It's over. Half of it's it is over. over. Yeah, Tre- fair. Trevor Zegras has signed he has. a contract. He has. With- with the Anaheim Ducks. I just want to say thank you. Thank you to Pat Verbeek. Thank you to Pat Brizon for not waiting until tomorrow or the next day to get this deal done. For doing it this morning just so that we have it or so that we can talk about it on this show. They were yeah. really thinking about us with this, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is this just fell right into our laps. I remember this morning listening to 32 Thoughts <laughs> and hearing Elliot Friedman say some positive news on the the, the Zegers front. I don't want to get ever too excited, but there's been movement. And then I remember texting you and Derek saying, "Oh, does it get done today?" And sure enough, like two hours later, yeah, we we get the news: three years, five point seven five mil. It's the term we expected. It's the AAV that I think we roughly expected. I think, I think this is higher than what I expected. I think I said five seven five, and I think you went lower to five and a half when we did our prediction. One, yeah. One, once we found out that it was five, uh, or was that it was three years, I think that I came in at five seven five. You came in at five and a half to be a little different. So there's a lot of news to talk about with the Ducks injuries, roster movement. There's a lot to get into, but we're going to start with this because it is the biggest news. This will take up the bulk of the podcast. It's the face of the franchise getting locked up after a lot of kind of misery for a few weeks there. Yep. Before we get into the nuts and bolts, though, as we always start with these kind of big hitting news topics, what was just your reaction, your gut reaction, your emotional reaction when when this news dropped, when you first saw it? Excitement and relief. Yeah. Like, there, there's no other way to put it. Just excitement and relief. I think excitement from the perspective of, okay, great. Uh, he signed. It's done. It's a good deal. It's a good deal for all sides. And relief just from the perspective of we've done so many podcasts. We've had spilled so much virtual ink in Discord on Twitter about both of the or about the Trevor Zegers deal and where it's going to be. And I feel like especially the last weekend, I think yep. starting last Friday, it just felt so exhaustive, right? It felt so exhausting all the talk, all the chatter around Trevor Zegers um all the different conversations that came out. And I think just in in some ways how poor the organization looked, I think on Friday afternoon specifically. And I think just relief that this is done and it's not going to get dragged on any longer. Yeah. I remember seeing it this morning come through on Twitter and just being excited too, because just seeing that kind of that Trevor Zegers picture, the headline he's back knowing that he's going to be on his way to camp. If he's not back in Anaheim already, it's just, it's just a good thing. It, it's it's right. It's where he belongs. It's where he should have been from the start. But the headline here is just that Trevor Zegers is back, that he'll be in a Ducks uniform within, you know, 24 hours on, on the practice sheet. And and kind of all is right in the world when it comes to Trevor Zegers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, to, to get into the contract a little bit, because um, unless there's anything else you want to touch on there, just brief reactions. No, no. Th- I mean, that's that's the headline to me. We'll get into all the ramifications. But, yeah, the contract, is, it's what we expected three years. I think that, again, I don't want to skip too, too far ahead to my argument section, but I'll just say that I think 
my gut reaction on the contract itself is that this is just a fair deal for both yeah. sides. A lot like the Troy Terry deal. I don't think I don't think either side is a quote unquote winner here. It's just this is what Trevor Zegers is worth uh, at this uh, uh, on this term, and he got it. Yep. And I mean, we talked about it right with with Troy Terry specifically of. If you look at evolving hockey's uh, contract projection model, right? I believe in a, and I'm trying to pull up Troy Terry right now because I have Trevor Zegers open currently. Um, but Troy Terry on a seven-year contract was projected to be 6.77. So they came in a little bit above that, I think, at seven times seven, but within the range uh, that you would expect right there. And then if you look at Trevor Zegers, right? Evolving hockey, three-year term. 5.7 was the projected AAV. Yeah. So, I mean, the Twins do amazing work. If you aren't supporting them, by the way, this is a, a subtle plug. We are not getting paid at all by the Twins at all. We pay but go to, go to Yeah, go to evolving-hockey.com. Subscribe to them. They're doing absolutely amazing work over there. Um, but, yeah, 5.7 mil was what they projected them at, and this is right where this came in. So, I think from the perspective of Trevor Zegers got paid what he's worth, the Ducks had to give in and pay him that. And so it's a good deal overall where the Ducks are not paying more than market value and Trevor Zegers is getting paid what he is worth. So yeah. overall, I think it's a win-win. It's a three-year deal. The ramifications from a long-term impact are that there are going to be two more years after this contract is up where Trevor Zegers will, Zegers will still be a UFA, uh, RFA. And he's going to really, I mean, Elliot Freeman kind of said it best, I think, on the 32 Thoughts podcast, more so with talking about Drysdale, but I think it really works with Zegers also. But the Ducks held the CBA hammer in some ways with this contract, with the fact that Trevor Zegers had little to no leverage outside of essentially what's happened, which missing is that games. missing games, getting into camp, starting to get closer to the season. And, Raising and, a stink through the media. Yes. And the thing is... um. That's all gonna ha like that's gonna happen in three years time basically again, but Zegris is now gonna have more leverage on his side with arbitration, and yep. so I think that's the biggest thing here is this was the only time that really Pat Verbeek had this amount of leverage, and so in three years time there's gonna be a whole lot more uh, that Zegris has in his power with arbitration, yeah. and we saw what that was able to do for Troy Terry. Yeah, if I were a Ducks player knowing that I'm arbitration eligible, I would just file as soon as possible once the offseason starts because it's like, you know what, Paverbeek? I don't want to wait until the training camp to get this done. Let's just have this like because it sets a deadline on on the contract to be yeah. signed. And, yeah. and I think that that helped Troy Terry a lot, you know, regardless of how maybe unsavory it was, at least it got it done. But yeah, I think that the three year deal for the Ducks the three-year term, I should say, is a good one. We've talked about it on past podcasts, but just to summarize, it avoids a situation where Troy Terry, or sorry, where Trevor Zegras has only one year left until he's a UFA, and then can potentially wield that against the team to get traded, like we've seen with other RFAs around the league. You know, Timo Meyer is probably the most recent example, but we've seen other cases Matt, of Matt that Kachuk. as well. Matthew Kachuk. And so that is a win, quote-unquote, from the Duck side, that they avoid that. But they didn't really concede anything else because um, they're sorry. They didn't really win on anything else because Trevor Zegers got his AAV that he that he wanted and that he deserves. And also, I mean, for for the the Trevor Zegers side, this is a better deal for him. You know, bridge deals are better for players than they are for teams because Trevor Zegers, if he continues on his growth arc in three years, will be worth a lot more 
than let's say an eight by eight or an eight by eight and a half that he could that he could have signed now that we've seen a lot of other young stars sign now from the from the ducks perspective and the athletic had a good article about this but from the ducks perspective you know Paverbeek mentioned at least twice in his comments that Zegers still has work to do defensively. So if they really truly are not sold on Trevor Zegers as of yet as a complete player, or I should say not sold enough to sign him to an eight-year deal, then this is three-year deal as a win in that way. Yep. I do think, though, this is my opinion, that given yep. what we've seen from Trevor Zegers, this could end up proving costly for the Ducks on the back end. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I, I, hate, I hate when people... Th- you know, make these statements as, oh, you're ascribing good or bad. It's just, that's just what it is. You're probably yeah. going to end up paying more well, on the back end. Yeah. And I mean, I guess if you want to look at it from the long-term cap link implications, right? At the end of that three-year deal for Trevor Zegers, there's going to be a lot of money kind of coming off the books. You're going to have Cam Fowler, uh, Fowler's contract coming up. You're going to have Radko Gudis's contract coming up. So a three-year term in some ways also from the long-term cap perspective does help the Ducks, uh, because they are going to have money coming off the books that they can then reallocate to Trevor Zegers at that point in time. Whereas maybe they weren't comfortable. I mean, the other part of this, right, that we don't talk about all that much because we don't really know. But Pat Verbeek did say, right, at the, I think it was that pancake brunch thing that, right? It's that, a pancake brunch now, no longer a pancake breakfast. Oh, sorry, pancake breakfast. Okay. Um, That he was going to spend the Sam Ellie's money like it was his own, but he has essentially, when they're contending, the free reign to spend up to the cap. And so I wonder how much of this is using the leverage and going with a three-year deal that is going to be slightly slower money now with the understanding that they're going to have to pay more at the end of it, but they're fine with that because they're going to be contending then. There is that perspective of it. Maybe. I mean, that's the thing too, that the business aspect is that yeah. the Ducks aren't necessarily a, a big money maker right now as a business. And so this kind of kicks that can down the road. But as we were just discussing you're making the can more expensive later on. So yep. if they're okay and with that, but I, I personally don't view why we're here as that, but we don't know. So yeah. I can't rule it out. Yeah. And so just to kind of give everyone kind of, I guess the thought process on why this is market value for him. I mean, this is a guy that has put up two straight 60 point seasons yep. um, for the ducks. And I went back and looked and I was curious who was the last player that, that did that for the Ducks? And at the end of the day, points, as much as you and I don't always like just only looking at points, those matter when it comes to these contract hearings. Um, the last player to do that was Ryan Getzloff. There's not been a player to put up two straight 60-point seasons for the Ducks outside of Troy Terry, who did it also over these last two years, since Ryan Getzloff. Like, Ricardo yeah. Kell did not do that. Um, Corey Perry also did that, but that was... Getzloff was the last person to do that. So as much as you want to see him take that step and get put up even more points, he is one of the biggest drivers in point production on this team. And I think that we're going to see that take another massive step. And I think within, I don't know, two years, this is going to look like a steal of a deal going into the last year of the contract. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the excitement now for me personally, just is going to be able to, is going to be watching Trevor Zegers grow now, right? Because we've been kind of stuck We've been so stuck in the past in discussing this contract over and over, right? It's what are you willing to pay for based on what he's done? Everything is about these last two to three, well, two and a half seasons. And now we can actually start to look ahead. You know, how can he really get incorporated into Greg Cronin's system? How will Greg Cronin leverage Trevor Zegers' talents? How will he make him a better player? Like there's just so much more intrigue now in a positive way than there was 24 hours ago. And I do find it interesting 
just the timing of this, right? Because if you think back to where we were Friday, yeah, and recording a Patreon podcast where we were both kind of delirious, I think we're that it's, tired. it's just interesting that, you know, just 48 hours later or 72 hours later after really, I think you started seeing the most negative pushback on the ducks publicly. You know, you had different reports about the gap in AAV. You had reports about, you know, where he's valued among the team. Like, there's all those different things. And then two days later, boom, the deal is done. Like, yeah, not saying that that's what made it happen, but it's certainly interesting that once it kind of became maybe obvious to the Ducks, hey, this this whole standoff thing is we're not coming out looking like the good guys here. And yeah. maybe that's, maybe that's yeah. when and, they caved. And for those that missed it, uh, Dave Pagnota at the fourth period reported that uh, Zegris was coming in around five mil. Mm-hmm. And so that was really the first, because we have we recorded our last main show prior to that report coming out. And so Dave Pagnota put that out there that the Ducks were coming in at three to four. Trevor Zegris was around five, was the exact verbiage that he used. Um, some people, I mean, including myself, ran with that as being, oh, he was asking for only five mil. Turns out, no. But he was asking for in the five range, which is uh, he ended up at five seven five, and so what that kind of tells me here is that essentially Pat Verbeek had to come up to exactly where Trevor Zegers is at, and five seven five, like we talked about, is a perfectly valid valuation of the of where Trevor yeah. Zegers should be paid at, and so it may be exactly what you're saying where that negative media attention was out there because I mean on Friday it really felt like everything was was going there was going definitely a concerted push because i mean you yeah. had 32 thoughts you had elliot freeman basically stating uh that someone told him if the ducks aren't careful they should they're risking they should be, it here they're risking it here you had darren drager on the ray and drags pod podcast saying this is in the mud right now um everyone was talking and dave pagnota had that that article they put out with that information and it just kind of really led to this slew of negative press i think for the ducks Yep. And then, so I wonder if it's that. It also could simply be this of Trevor's egress play here was waiting out camp. Well, and, it, seem, it seems, oh, sorry, go ahead. And as we were getting closer and closer, we are now within two weeks of the start of the season. And they were going to, like, a contract was going to be signed at some point. Even if they thought that, even if Zegers was going to miss games, at some point a contract was going to be signed. And so there may have just been a situation where Pat Verbeek realized, shit, this is not going to go anywhere. He's not going to come down. And we're at the point where I really need to get him into camp to get him ready for the season or else it's really going to negatively impact the team, which and makes the, me look poor. And the perception. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and to, to your point, just kind of putting all these pieces together, it seems like Pat Verbeek is the one who picked up the phone, yeah. right. To, to get this done. Because if the ducks were arguing for three to four and Zegers is in the five range, I mean, the Ducks just got hosed got hosed on that, right? Like, they, they did not get anything that they were looking for AAV-wise, which I don't want to pivot to this quite yet. Okay. But, but knowing where the numbers were, or at least having a decent idea of where the numbers were. Because, again, like, we only have a few sources telling us what the numbers were. Yeah. But it's it- but it's but it seems like... It seems like the the holdup was more on the duck side than the Zegers side because if Zegers was asking for something that, as we talked about, was fair and commensurate to where he's at based on past production, then it's clear, like to me at least, my own opinion, the Ducks were the ones slowing this thing up, <laughs> like yeah. trying to trying to get something that was just way off from 
just way off from what Zegris was asking for. You know, if Zegris had been asking for sixes, sevens, I get it. But fives, that that's just going that's where market he value. I mean, that's where his contract ended up, right? So, yeah. I and I, I think that this is also important here is I think we were getting close to where at the very beginning of all this, I kind of said, sure, it's not ideal if he misses camp, but it's also not the end of the world. And I think I had said where if we end up, on, we're doing a podcast on the 2nd of October and he is still unsigned, um, then it then it starts getting into an issue and you're starting to be concerned about him being ready for the season. Um, and so I think that we have, we basically are at that point though, where him signing today gives him plenty, uh, just enough time to get fully ready for the season. Um, it's 12 days. I think if he ends up in camp, it ends up at camp tomorrow on the ice, he'll have 12 practice days and it actually sets up pretty nicely. Um, pretty nicely for the ducks. Um, with the fact that they don't have their first game of the season until Saturday, the 14th. So everyone else starts on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of that week, but the ducks, for whatever reason, aren't playing until Saturday the 14th. And so they almost have a mini camp with just the main roster guys next week. And so this is going to be a really nice chance for Trevor Zegers to get into camp, get this week to kind of get up to speed. And the next week, it's going to be all the main roster guys there. Yeah. And he's able to really get up to speed with Greg Cronin's system. And so I don't think losing the last couple of weeks is really going to be detrimental to him. Sure, it's not ideal, but I think he's still going to have plenty of time. And there's a couple people in the the Twitch chat and YouTube chat kind of wondering if the Pagnota report was reliable and it's it's logical to assume if they settled at 575 then then Zegers was at 6 6 to 7 and I think I get where you're coming from there but when all of the dots are pointing in one direction all of these insiders are going in one direction and kind of more so stating this is a a Verbeek risking it with how he's being and he's being this really tough negotiator right and you have a similar thing being said by Darren Drager it all adds validity, I think, to that David Pagnota report, who, for as much as David Pagnota does get flack and does from us from uh, time to time, he does have sources yeah. and does have information there. Talks to and, agents, talks to players. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think that this is something where there's not really any, even if this was being leaked by Pat Brisson, I don't know the benefit. Like, what's the benefit of five, seven, or around five? being leaked to to Dave Pagnota here because that just screws over his negotiating power, right? Uh, in terms of yeah. um, in well, terms of negotiating for more money, right? If if it comes out that he's asking for that, then Pavarby could say, okay, great, we're going there also. But yeah, it, I'm, it, it's, I'm, it's, it's, I, I'm I, I, go ahead. Sorry, I, I'm just gonna say, I pretty much believe that Dave Pagnota got that information and that's correct. And there's also that information, I mean, whether you want to believe it or not, uh, what, what's the pod? Shane O'Brien's podcast. Shane O'Brien put out around five also. Yeah. And so there were multiple They're pretty connected that, with the Ducks. Yes. Look, I'm, I'm declaring a moratorium on this whole like source versus source thing. Like the yeah. contract is signed. Like whatever. It's Fair. done. But I want to make a, another point here. Okay. Which is the Pat Verbeek part of this. Okay. I have come away from this entire thing with a diminished view of Pat Verbeek. Because if we look at the two big high-profile uh, RFA signings thus far, Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras, all of the reporting that we've gotten in both both instances is that Pavrbik is playing hardball, right? That has been the consistent theme that's come out each and every time. And 
I don't necessarily have a huge problem with playing hardball, but I do think it is just true that you can run the risk of maybe angering your players, right? That you can that you can potentially tarnish relationships. It, not saying that it will happen, but that's a possibility. So to me, if you're going to play quote unquote hardball, you know, really wield the hammer, do what he did with Terry, bring it all the way to the goal line of, of arbitration hearing, all of that. I think I want to see some actual benefit to the team. I want to see, okay, well, they they clearly got a concession here or they clearly got a concession there, what have you. And thus far, this is just true. There's just no obvious sign that that's happening, right? The, the Troy Terry deal, seven by seven, perfectly fair market value, which means that it wasn't a win for either side. It's just a, a good deal, a fair deal. Same thing with Trevor Zegers. You, you brought up the evolving hockey model. It's it's right on the money, literally on the money. So if Averbeek wants to make his reputation as a hardball player, go right on ahead, be that guy. But I hope he's seeing, A, how it can affect your reputation, right, among players, and also, B, let's try to actually get some benefit from it here. Because if all this reporting is true, which maybe it isn't, maybe it's completely off, then there's basically no evidence that Paverbeek's tactics yielded any positive for the Ducks here. So we'll see. Jamie Drysdale is the shoe left to drop, but I'm just not, I'm not very enthused with how Pat Verbeek has both handled it and just the results he's yielding. But like I said earlier, A, it's not my money and B, this isn't a quote unquote bad deal for anyone. It's just fair. It's a deal that could have been signed months ago. Like it, there's just nothing remarkable about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think kind of where you're getting at is that if you're going to wield this hammer and go to these lengths, I think you would expect the deal to be more team-friendly than it ended yes. up. And I think yes. I, as someone who wants to see players get paid, I'm in some ways happy it's not because I want to see Trevor Zegers get paid what he is worth. And this Same. also goes to show that him holding out got him, uh, got him the value that he deserved. And so I think that the tactics that Verbeek... It, it, let's just say, for instance, I mean... Trevor Zegers, I think last week was probably at the 575 value. Who knows where he was at before that? But Pat Verbeek came up to him. And so you can say that's Pat Verbeek realizing that it's time to move on and negotiation is no longer is not worth it anymore moving on, which is something that's important, but that should have been done weeks ago where so that Zegers would have been at camp. And I think that I guess that's probably where both you are at. All right. You and I, I just I, are I just don't see why I, it got to this point. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't really know. So there, there's some people out there, some people, DB Lowry in our Twitch chat, bring this up uh, more. So bring up the fact of soured relationships. I don't think that's where this got to necessarily. It doesn't, we just seem, don't know. We don't know, but it, I think that it probably didn't get to there, but that is just me simply making an assumption. We will find out probably in the future. I mean, there, but, but I mean it, it was reported. There was frustration, frustration. Um, but, yes, but it was on both sides. So correct, which makes and sense. So I think probably in the next, I don't know, couple weeks, months, year, probably we're going to forget all about this. And what really matters the most is the on ice results. Right. Yeah. And I think that that is what, what's going to matter in terms of long-term Trevor's egress being a duck. It's not going to be this holdout. It's not going to be the, the hurt feelings or frustration that ended up happening from this. And so I think that that kind of narrative that surrounded this is, is something going to be thrown out the window. But I think the one thing to kind of take away from this, right. Is, is this going to be a trend for how RFAs are negotiated with in the future, specifically with guys coming off of ELCs. And I think Drysdale is a bit of a 
different situation because of him he's not a weird playing. case yeah. a very weird case and so it's very tough to kind of figure out with him but I, i'm very curious with this trevor zegras situation if mason mctavish is going to be handled the same way if leo carlson is going to be handled the same way olin zellweger going to be handled the same way all these guys are going to be handled the same way because i think that is a concern if every single player you deal with is this and so i think that's just something i'm at least gonna uh gonna keep an eye on as it moves on, because I think it's concerning if that is the trend. Um, also, I mean, Solomon should be thrown in. Z Hamster said, I mean, isn't Solomon heavily involved in contract negotiations? Ne- negotiations well, also, yeah. yes. But, um, but at that point, we then have to rattle off every executive yes. that's that's involved. I mean, and, here's... And so, it, so if, mm-hmm. if that's the trend, then I think that that's a concern from my part, because at some point, you're going to piss someone off in that You're sense. just wasting gonna, time. That too. And so I think if this is a one-off, whatever, move on. All done. Good to go. Um, so, I mean, B-Dolls brings up last couple of pods. You guys talked about how it's no big deal. Gave examples of players losing regular season no, game. Now that's, it's a, that's just I mean, not that, what I was saying. No, but that's something I have said. Oh, okay. Um, no, no, no. But I'm saying that that's not what we're saying. I I mean, I'm not, I don't really feel like repeating myself, but I will anyway. I'm saying if you're going to play this game, you need to have results to show for it. And I don't see where the Ducks won in this deal. So... We're not saying it's a major problem. But it's just no, not really. And, not really and I and I and I, okay. and I even think that, like I said, this is probably the last possible time you could get this deal done. And for better or worse, Zegras had to use his leverage of waiting into camp to get a deal. Well, my own belief on this, okay. my own belief, which is informed by things that I've heard, my own belief is that I think that this was as much Pat Verbeek playing hardball as it was Pat Verbeek's view of Trevor Zegras because I just refuse to think that if Paverbeek really truly believed in Trevor Zegras as a player right if Trevor Zegras was like a Mason McTavish that that we would have gotten to this point right I mean and I think that part of the reason that Paverbeek really started to feel heat is when this narrative started developing of oh maybe the Ducks don't value Trevor Zegras or they don't value their young players because that's that's really problematic and if you'll notice in Paverbeek's comments, he went out of his way to mention multiple times, you know, we value Trevor Zegers, and I'm sure they clearly value him at 17 and change million dollars. But to me, this just this just feels like Paverbeek not being totally sold on Trevor Zegers. And, you know, if I just personally don't agree with that, I think that that's an incorrect evaluation. But if you don't believe in the player, okay, sign him to the deal, but there's just there's still no need to drag this out. Coach him up. Do you give him credit for realizing that he was at the point where it was going to be detrimental because he was going to start missing out more camp? I mean, coming up to Zegers's price. I mean, if you've lit a house on fire, do you get credit for realizing you lit it on fire? I don't know. I don't know. You still lit the house on fire. And I'm not saying that's what happened here, right? This wasn't at that stage. I guess he figured it out, but I just really think that this is, this was just not a good look for Paverbeek. I, I this again, my opinion. People can disagree. I'm really stressing that because this is reasonable minds can differ on this. But I think this is a bad look for Paverbeek. It's not sending the right message to the player. This doesn't motivate Trevor Z. Like I don't think it's really as motivational to Trevor Zegers to drag him through this as opposed to saying, "Hey, here's the contract we think you're worth. Let's get it done. We believe in you. Let's go." Right. This is this to me sends the opposite message. And I really hope that Trevor Zeger sticks it to Pat Verbeek for the next three years and, and plays his heart out. And by the time the next negotiation negotiation comes around, that 
it's no big deal it gets done because he's proven himself to, to Pavar Big. Because again, Pavar Big went over it twice at least in his comments of, hey, he even said specifically we need his defensive game to be short up. And and while that's true, I just don't think why on the day that you sign this face of your franchise type player that you feel the need to point out his warts. Like it's just it's just poor form all around. I do not have a good opinion of Pavar Beek's handling of any of this. People can disagree with me on this. Come at me all you want. I have all my notifications <laughs> muted on Twitter at this point, but that's where I sit as of today. All right. So critique's done. Yeah. I needed to get that off our chest a little bit because even though we both love the deal, I think it's a yeah. very good deal for both sides. I think Zegers got paid his worth. The Ducks got paid. Or the, all's the, well the, that ends the, well the, at the, the end of the day. Correct. I yeah. think that it's just... the. I think you see this deal, and I guess I'll kind of end it with this. I think you see this deal and you wonder why it took so long to get to this deal. I think that yeah, that, like, is, that, is, that is, I guess, the end of it all. You don't get credit for hardballing your way to a number that's a neutral number, right? Like that, that shouldn't require that. And people will say, oh, you're not in the room. You're not blah, blah. I think that don't assume what we know or don't know. I will say that. But B, just think about it intuitively, right? If you have to do all of this crap just to get to this number, you shouldn't get praise for that. Yeah, and I think I, I think just moving on. This this is a good time, or this is a the best time I think for him to get, or not best time to be, for him to get signed. I think right now is when it's you're the next to get to best that. time. Correct, because yeah. he's gonna have plenty of time. He's gonna have plenty of time to gel. I think he's Greg Cronin has gonna is gonna have enough time to work with him. I think. I mean, do you think he plays on Thursday? I mean, do you think he plays Thursday and I think Saturday? I think Saturday for sure. Thursday. Thursday's a home game. I mean, he probably has to do all the physical testing and stuff. Um, I think they ramp him up, and I think he doesn't play on Thursday. I think he plays Thursday because it's the last home game, and the one on Saturday, I think it's Saturday. I think it's Saturday, not Sunday, is in Tucson. Yeah, I would just, I would be a little uh, hesitant to play him right away. I mean, he's been skating. It's not as if he hasn't been skating. But skating and playing in an NHL game, even if it's preseason, are two different things. Skating by yourself or scrimmaging with college players like Jamie Drysdale is doing, not the same. Guys aren't out there trying to hurt you in those scrimmages. So I I don't know. I think he plays Thursday and Saturday. I mean, I don't think I I don't think I don't think he plays tomorrow, obviously. Well, that would be malpractice. Yes. But yeah, Thursday, fine, but uh, definitely Saturday. Yeah, I think those two games, and then you get a whole week to ramp up to the first game of the regular season. Yeah, and and like I really, after that long rant, I just want people to know that the headline here is that Trevor Zegers, the most fun player we've seen in a Ducks jersey in a long time, is signed. We're going to get to watch 82 games of him, hopefully. Um, maybe more, who knows? And we get that for the next three years at least. And that's just a good thing. And regardless of how this all happened, the bottom line is that the right thing happened and hopefully it all just improves from here. Yep. I'm definitely very happy. He did not miss regular season games because that would have been just so awful and pointless. Yeah. (laughs) I, I felt like on Friday it was trending that way. And that's how I felt too. Yeah. And so I feel like maybe that's how we, people wanted us to feel. Yeah. Fair. (laughs) But I, but I think hearing that from Friedman this morning, I think really calmed me down a lot on it. And I think also in some ways, see once the, the difference came out about the five, seven, five, uh, or that's where around five is where Zegris is at. I figured that they would be able to come to a deal because they were a lot closer than I thought they would, would be. So, all right. With all of that being said, 
This episode is brought to you by Green Chef. So Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every single lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Um, And so Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating clean. You can feel your best during busy fall season with delicious nutrition approved recipes featuring clean ingredients with no artificial colors, sweeteners, high fructose corn syrup, and limited added sugar and limited processed ingredients. Choose from recipes uh, featuring lean proteins like turkey and sockeye salmon, barramundi, tilapia, scallops, and shrimp, certified organic whole fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and plenty of whole grain options. So kickstart your clean eating routine this October with 80 plus weekly options featuring nutritionist approved and foodie approved recipes. Choose from our eight meal preferences, including new, quick and easy, calorie smart, delicious discoveries and plant-based options. And so they're the number one meal kit for eating clean. Um, And you can eat clean the easy way with recipes that help manage your weight and support your wellness goal without skimping on flavor. Feel your best with nutritionist approved recipes, including calorie smart meals, under 650 calories, protein-packed meals with at least 40 grams of protein on average per serving, science-backed Mediterranean recipes, and flavorful plant-rich vegan and vegetarian meals uh, featuring certified organic whole fruits and vegetables, good-for-you grains, uh, and plant-based proteins. Um and sustainable, you can or you can feel your best this fall with seasonal recipes featuring uh, certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. And so, 100% of our of their seafood is, meets the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch rankings of certified best choice and good alternative. And with Green Chef, you're reducing your food waste uh, by up to 23% versus versus grocery shopping. And so, everything is uh, delivered to you um, in a way that is uh, super easy to deal with. You can feel your best with nutritionist approved recipes packed with clean ingredients to support your healthy lifestyle and taste uh, great too. Um, you can get dinner on the table during busy weeknights minus the fuss with their new four-person kit from Green Market. They provide everything you need for dinner organized in one convenient kit bag. Think less waste, easier cooking, and easier cleanup. Um, so you can go to greenchef.com slash 60ctp. And use code 60CTP to get 60% off plus free shipping. And so, you, once again, you can go to greenchef.com slash 60CTP and use code 60CTP to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's, once again, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right. Here we go. So let's move on to anything else on Zegris. Anything else that uh, is top of mind? Um, I mean... Donovan brings us up in our, our YouTube chat saying he gets a deal that both both of you love and the narrative from you guys is you don't get credit for getting a fair deal. I think it's just more so the timing about it. And well, so just that's, with how that's long mis- it takes. That's just not stating correctly what, what, we, what I, at least what I said. I'm saying if you play hardball, the presumption is you're doing so to get something that's better for you, right? That is the point. You are negotiating in your own self-interest. That's what everyone does. That's fine. So the presumption is that that should, if you're going to go to those lengths, which Paverbeek did, that is undisputed that Paverbeek played hardball, you would like to see an element of a win for you. And if the result is just a net neutral, either the either the other side was being completely unreasonable and you needed to do that to get to the neutral number, 
or all the stuff you pulled didn't work. I think Elliot and, Freeman. And, sorry. And, the, and, 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 so, and so anyway, my takeaway is I'm not giving credit for the number based on the tactics. Like, good that you got the number, but it makes the tactics look silly is what I'm yeah. saying. Um, I mean, I think Elliot Freeman says this uh, as a saying, but is the juice worth the squeeze in this situation? Correct. Correct. And it, and it wasn't it, it like this, I, again, opinion, this contract, this number, this could have been done weeks, months ago. Like this is just not something that seems to be the result of, oh yeah, we really grinded him down. Right. At three years, this is exactly where he should have been paid. And what about, what about credit for not overpaying or giving out term for a player he doesn't believe in? What about credit for? Not I mean, I, I mean, the I term was a the term was agreed upon months ago or like a while ago. Well, per I also don't. Also. I also disagree with not believing in Trevor Zegers. So, <laughs> yeah, and you're just you're swinging and missing. There, and that's also that's also with the assumption of. And, and to be fair, this is I think where we were at last week. Of we don't know anything. We didn't know Trevor Zegers is where his camp was at, right? Yeah. And so I think the report of him being around five changes things and changes things in the mentality of things. Because if this was a situation, I think that this is an important thing to hedge on because at the end of the day, um, we aren't in that room. So we don't necessarily know everything that's going on with it. But if for, per se, Zegers is at, at six or at seven and the Ducks were at their three, three to four and they settled on five, seven, five, then yes, this is a good deal from Pat Verbeek's perspective. And they had to work to get to this point. But yeah. if that reporting is accurate and Trevor Zegris was around five and that's where he was at, at least for the last week or two, and it took this long to get to this number, then that is a concern, right? And I think that that's, I guess, the important thing to to uh, emphasize here is that it just depends on where Zegris was at. And I think we don't have any indication necessarily that he was at the six to seven range outside of us making the assumption that that makes sense. Because logically, I get where people are coming from of that making sense, but I think the reporting of yeah. him being at five mixed with some information, kind of we we've, we've heard, it puts it at the five the five round five value making more. There's sense. nothing out there that we've heard or that's been reported that would suggest Seagrass is asking for something astronomical in this specific three year. Yeah, the framework. only thing we have is that from like Friedman and those types of guys that he knows his worth and he's not going to back off it. Yeah, so. You know, people can disagree. They don't like that we're criticizing Verbeek, which is weird because sometimes people are like you guys are too nice to Verbeek. Can never win with everyone. I'm completely fine with that. Welcome all opinions. Welcome all disagreements. Just be cool about it, and we can we can have a great conversation. That's, yep. Uh, regardless, that's, that that's the point of the podcast. Regardless, three more years of Trevor Zegers is a very good thing. Five more years under club control, uh, or actually, sorry, six more years under club control because there's two more off seasons uh, of RFA status. So good news overall for the Ducks, for fans out there, for myself, because I ordered a Trevor Zegras uh, 30th anniversary jersey. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Wait, can I can I briefly mention something on that 30th anniversary jersey? Um, Careful what you say. Why is the jersey delayed till... 2024 it hit me this week that this is a jersey that is very very i i really really like the jersey and it's something that i'm so excited to see on the ice because the overall look and what we've seen from the players um it, it 
the the gear, everything they have, it looks absolutely amazing. The pants that we saw Trevor Zegers wearing um, looks just top notch. Like this is going to be one of uh, such a good look for the team, and they're not going to be available to fans until the season's halfway over. Yeah. And the I get that it might be. I mean, the Ducks are saying it's an Adidas issue, um, and so sure, if it's an Adidas issue, there's not a lot you can do. What leg are you a, standing on here? That's just an absolute failure, I think overall. Right? Is that the fact that this is a one-off singular season jersey and it is not going to be able to be in fa- fans' hands until halfway through the season, yet you yeah. have the Flyers having a new home and away jersey and they are going to be – they are available to for well, fans right now. Adidas is out of the picture soon, so probably yeah. seems so, like it's a good thing. Quite quite a shame. Quite a shame for everyone out there that people are not going to be able to have that 30th jersey until 2024. Uh, probably a bigger shame – is the fact that Alex Kalorn fractured his finger in a preseason game, and he's going to be out up to six weeks. Four to six weeks is the timeline. And now Pat Verbeek's big off-season acquisition, the big contract that we've much discussed in this, on this podcast, uh, he's going to miss a lot of games. And, you know, fractured finger, thankfully, you know, <laughs> bones heal. It's not like a, yeah. a muscle injury where that could really be a dicey recovery period. There is this is a lot more defined, but it's still a huge bummer because Kalorn was going to be an integral piece of what Greg Cronin was going to try to do, and now the Ducks have to kind of pick up the pieces and and re- reshape that top six at least in, for the time being. Yep. Yeah, and it, it's definitely a shame. I mean, it's a shame also that we weren't able to just see him in the beginning of this year because I mean we don't know if the by the time he's back if Leo Carlson is going to still be on the Ducks. Like probably not. Yeah. Like we don't. We just don't know. Like, and so it's a shame that we're not going to be able to see him in the lineup with these guys. Um, and so, uh, it's just a shame. I guess the good news from it is because it's a finger injury, right? He's going to still be able to have conditioning on the ice. He's still going to be able to skate. He's still going to be able to work out for the most part. And so you you just got called crazy in the chat. So I guess so. I brought that upon (laughs) myself. Um, so at least he's going to be able to do that, but it, it's a bummer. It's a bummer overall. I guess the good news is that um, there's going to be an open roster slot in the top six or top nine, potentially. So if someone like a Nikita Nestorenko or Pavel Regenda is able to impress, they're going to be able to really jump into that spot, and there's going to be an open spot for them yeah. there. That's who it's good news for, is those guys in the fringes, those those kind of 13th, 14th, 15th forward type guys. Um, also, we have someone on our chat here saying, and I lost the message, Still skeptical on Cronin, first-time coach with no pro experience. Doesn't worry anyone. I mean, he's been coaching pro hockey for decades. Yeah. Just not NHL hockey. But he's also been an assistant at the NHL level. So wouldn't worry on that front, at least. Um, but yeah, so on the on the Kalorn news, though, it's, it's a huge shame. I'm very curious to see what Cronin will do. We don't really have great indications yet because, you know, these lineups are so kind of all over the place, patchwork. Yeah. Some, some games, it's... It is more roster guys. Some games it's more young guys. So my pit theory is that Zach Cassian is going to make the team because of the way he's being used. And also now this just kind of opens that door a little wider. I haven't seen enough for Brett Leeson to make me think he's a lock for this roster. I hope I'm wrong because watching Zach Cassian play. He's been so bad. But knowing what Paverbeek values and what he thinks of this team last year, the lack of pushback, the lack of sandpaper, if you watch Zach Cassian, you you look at that game in uh, I think it was Palm Springs over the weekend. Zach Cassian is in every scrum, 
He is, anytime a guy gets bumped, anytime a guy gets pushed, he is sticking up for his teammates. And, you know, you can say what you will about Zach Cassian, but players love that. Coaches love that. Hockey people eat that stuff up. They'll eat it, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The the kind of sticking up for your man, camaraderie, and whatever we think of it, I think that that is valued. And I personally don't think Zach Cassian is a good NHL player, and I would not give him a roster spot. But he's here. He's doing what he's asked to do. He was put on a on a kid line, basically. I think he was playing with, um, shoot, it wasn't Tracy. Anyway, it was it was a couple young players, and he was the protector. He was filling his role, and I just would not be surprised if Zach Cassian is is on this roster to start the season. But that's just me. <sighs> this might be copium. I don't see a necessary spot for him on this team. I mean, I some mean, fans may- are gonna like him. Because of the oh, way one hundred percent. I just don't like. I guess you could wave Brett Leeson. I don't know if Pat Verbeek would necessarily do that. So I think looking at the current roster, right, there are twelve healthy forwards um, currently on this Ducks team, and so there's essentially one roster spot, maybe two open. Um, I just don't know if if Pat Verbeek is going to see signing Zach Cassian as eventually Alex Kalorn and. Um, and Isaac Lundstrom are going to be healthy, and then Cassian's just going to have to be waived at that point in time. I don't know or, if he necessarily sees that. Or someone else gets waived. I don't or necessarily see if, see see that as being worth it as compared to potentially giving a guy like a Pavel Roganda, like a Nikita Nestorenko, a shot up there. Um, and, and so I just don't, I don't know if that, well, first off, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think Zach Cassian's a good hockey player. I don't think having him on your team really does a whole lot for you overall. Um, and so I'd much rather see, it's almost like an opportunity cost of that spot should be going to someone that could really use that. Spot, I agree with use you. that ice time more. And so I just hope that's where they go. And I mean, DB Lowry says how problematic would Cassian really be as a 13th, 14th forward? Who would he be holding back? And while sure you could maybe make that argument, it's still just taking up a roster spot that shouldn't be used. I mean, if he's the, if he's a 14th forward, you could then have a, a, a Olin Zelliger on your roster, right? Yeah. Well, speaking like, of the speaking of the blue line, we should probably stop talking about a PTO. Just, okay. just yep. uh, I yeah. I've made that point a, a long per time ago. Rules. They, per, per my rules. rules, don't don't worry, don't talk about PTOs until they've signed. So yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's still a PTO. He is not signed to a contract. So. Correct. But Ducks made a move this weekend, and I think it was the type of move that a lot of people have wanted to see Pat Verbeek make over these last well, the last two years ish is claiming a young player off of the waiver wire. And given where the Ducks finished last season, waiver priority was all theirs. And they claim Lassie Thompson, 23-year-old defenseman out of the Ottawa Senators farm system. And just a very interesting player, right shot D, especially with Jamie Drysdale still being unsigned. We don't, we have no idea. That one I have no feel on. That one being still undetermined. This is just a very interesting move, and I mean, this is not really a take on Lassie Thompson. It's just more of a general take, but the Ducks have so many interesting young defensemen in within the organization right now. Like, if you look at who's going to play for San Diego this year, it's just going to be so much fun to watch. But Lassie Thompson. Yeah, Lassie Thompson. So basically what Lassie Thompson is, uh, this is from the EP ringside guide on him, but basically he was drafted in the first round because in junior, he was a creative offensive defenseman, carry pucks across the zones, walk the blue lines, pull off spin moves, all these different types of things. But as he's become a pro and jumped into the AHL, 
it's really changed and you don't see those offensive flashes anymore from him. He's more of a steady, consistent player, uh, defends the rush, sticks to his checks, uh, distributes the puck on the blue line. Um, but he just doesn't, hasn't really stood out per them, um, in that point. And basically his revised ceiling from them is more so of a bottom pair shutdown role type of skater. But they added that being said, if he, uh, gets to play with more creative teammates who can give him space to jump in the play and use his skating ability, some of its offensive patterns could resurface. And so what this screams to me when I first saw this is this felt like almost like a Jamie Drysdale, not replacement, but while Drysdale is holding out, this is kind of that same, not archetype, but similar cut type I mean, of idea he, being a good skater. Be, he has to be in the NHL. Like, yeah. That, like he, that's that's he, he's got to go through waivers. Well, again. that's the thing. Yeah, they claimed him off a of waiver, so if they can't, the Ducks just can't send him to the goals. If they want to send him down, they're gonna have to put him on waivers. And the Ducks have the first waiver claim because of it's based off right now how last season went. So every other team in the league, every all thirty other teams, because Ottawa 31. does not get a claim until the oh. end. Um, and so um, every other team will have a chance to get him. And then if he clears through all of it, Ottawa can just take him back and put them in, put him in Belleville. So it's not as if he's guaranteed to go to San Diego if he fully clears. Ottawa has a chance to take him back and put him in the minors because he fully cleared waivers. So there's just yeah. really no way that Lassie Thompson ends up in the AHL. It's a situation where he's on the Ducks or he's going somewhere else, pretty much. And, Probably. And, yeah. and so that's why this just screams to me, okay, Drysdale's holding out currently or is not under contract. I want to stop using the word hold out because he is not holding out. He just does not have a contract. Yeah. Um and this is someone that's a right-hand shot defenseman that is going to be able to play some games potentially and has some uh, shine to him still after being a first-round pick in 2019. And so I would imagine if he does not impress and Drysdale side, then he's put on waivers claimed by whoever it is or goes back to Ottawa, the Ottawa organization. Yeah, watching him very briefly and, and messaging with uh, David St. Louis from EP Ringside, just the skating is what really sticks out to me. Like he moves really well. And like you said, similar in that kind of Jamie Drysdale archetype. I don't think he really has, I mean, kind of like Jamie Drysdale undetermined if he really has the offensive side to his game, but moves well. And if I look at the ducks blue line right now, I just love the addition. It gives them some more mobility. It gives them some more depth and someone that, Hey, if he works out, like if he, if he just becomes a solid six to seventh defenseman, the Ducks haven't had those guys in a long time. Those guys are valuable to your team. And worst case, or whatever case you want to describe it as, if he pops, if he becomes a solid rotation piece, you can always flip him later down the line. Like this is just a good, this is a good to great move by Pat Verbeek. So I don't want to hear that I hate Pat Verbeek. Like I am compartmentalizing my analyses here. He, yep. This is a good move. I, I really like it. And I think that... If you want to be down on it, maybe the down aspect is, oh, the, you know, this takes this could take away an opportunity from someone within the system. And I think that that's not unfair. Like, this definitely doesn't help the chances of... I mean, Drew Hellison's gone now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pavel Mintukov, right? Uh, but... Olin Zellweger. Like, it doesn't help their chances of, of sticking. I don't think it really impacts them at all, to be honest. Well, it's just one less chair. It's one less chair, but he's a right-hand shot defenseman. And so realistically, yeah. they weren't going to be playing on the right-hand side. 
They weren't going to be a healthy scratch either. So I just don't view this as necessarily impacting them at all in terms of them making the team or not making the team because yeah, and it's just a different position. So it's not like he's taking up a spot in the roster. I think if anything, what this is a sign to me is that Urho Vakanainen is not long for the Ducks. Yeah, poor Urho. I mean, he really has had a, t- a really rough go of yeah. it with the injury. But if you look at the if you look at the blue line now, without Sans Drysdale, you know, Cam Fowler, Radko Gudis, Ilya Labushkin, Jackson Lacombe, I think those are all locks. Jackson Lacombe is a lock to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't at me because I won't see it. Uh, Lassie Thompson, I <laughs> Lassie Thompson is a lock because of what we just talked about. I think Robert Hag is a lock. It's not something I'd really love to say. But at that point, you're at six defensemen. So who's really left, right? Jamie Drysdale is going to come back, and then that's really your seven. So I just don't really see a way. I mean, I don't really see a path right now for a guy, for like a Zellweger or Mintukov to to stick with the team. But I mean, if they want to, if they want them there, if they think that they should be on the team to start the season. They will be there. Like, it's not just musical chairs. If the team wants them there, they'll be there. Yeah, Robert Hag could be the seventh defenseman pretty easily. And so, Zellweger's, I I don't think Minjukov is going to be on the Ducks. I think that if anyone, it's going to be Zellweger because I think that you look at, I'm just laying it out there. When you have the head coach of the team stating in a game where he thought they were horrible that he was the only good player, the best player on the ice, and also singing his praises in the games prior to that, that is stating something and the fact that you played him in back-to-back games. So I think that even though you've put together a fantastic video highlighting both his pros and cons, I think that they really like what they're seeing. And so I think that he has a pretty decent shot to make this roster, at least to just see what he does in an NHL game. And then if he does not look great, I think that he ends up getting sent down easy and Hag plays games after that. Like I mean, he doesn't that, have to- That's what it boils down to is if they want Olin Zellweger to just see what he can do, that's fine. Like I am, I accept that argument. That's fine. But if we're basing it on how they've actually played, well, Zellweger is nowhere. Like I don't want to say nowhere near, but he, he, him and Matukov are not distinguishable to me in how they've played. Like, like I think between Mitu- each other. I th- yeah. Like I think Matukov. I think at a minimum Matukov has been better, but I don't think there's a world where you can say Zellweger has been better. I think the ELC slide, uh, part of it also might impact it. Might. Well, Mintukov is slightly eligible. eligible. Yeah, yeah. He's, that's my point. Oh, okay. Zellweger's okay. not. Yeah, so I, that, I don't that, know. I, I that just could think impact it, it. I just don't think that those things are big enough reasons. I, I just think it's going to come down to do they just want to see Zellweger? And, like, I, I'm i not of the opinion that Zellweger shouldn't play in the NHL this season. I just think that right now, based on how he's playing, he doesn't look like a bona fide NHL defenseman, but if you're curious about seeing him as an organization in that setting and maybe he can grow into it, that's fine. Like that's, I, and I don't he, think it's a bad idea to just put him in for a couple games and see what he can do. I don't think it's, it's going to hurt. It's, it's, it's totally fine. And it's it, and, not you know, going to hurt his development. It gives him a little boost of confidence that he gets on the team. Like there's all that, like I am not against him being on this team. I just, again, my whole basis is just watching these guys play this, this preseason so far. That's it. Yeah. And I, so. I think it's of note that both of them are still up, right? I mean, Noah Warren yeah. is also still up. Uh, they, they've both played well. Like, I don't think Zellweger's played poorly. I just, no. th- it's but up and down to me. I, I mean, I think Tristan Leno and Noah Warren are up to just get as much time with the team as possible yeah. before going back to junior. Like, that's what that feels like to me. I don't think either of them make the team. But I think it is of note that both 
Zellweger and Minchukov are still with the team. As well, Zellweger was gone this time last year. Correct. So correct. But both of them are with the team as basically every other D man has been sent that is eligible to be sent to San Diego has been sent down. I am so excited to watch the goals this year. Yeah. That AHL TV subscription is going to, going to hit different. Yep. Yep. Um, (laughs) so anything else that you want to hit on before we get to questions or you want to briefly kind of, I mean, it's pretty simple to me what the, we should just get into questions because we're at an hour. Okay, fine. We'll get into questions. Um, all right. So we're going to start with our discord. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash crash pond where, uh, you can support us there. If you support us at the dollar tier, you get, uh, you get access to our Patreon exclusive Discord, where you where there's a po- uh, there's a podcast questions channel, where you can leave questions for us for the podcast. Um, and so please go find us there, Patreon.com/slash/CrashThePond. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Doom Grouser said, and weird. I mean, we had a lot to talk about. We didn't talk about Jamie Drysdale too much, so we'll get to that in these questions. There's not a whole lot to talk about, to be honest. No. no. Um, Doom Grouser said, with the focus shifting to Drysdale's contract, what are your thoughts on where Drysdale realistically slots into this Ducks depth chart for right defenseman in three to five years based on prospects currently in the system? And he listed Drysdale, Vakaninen, Moore, Warren, Leno, Thompson, and then he's like anyone else that he might be forgetting. I think Jamie Drysdale, when the dust settles in three to five years, will be a, a second pairing defense. Tyson Hines? Is Tyson Hines right hand shot also? No, I think he's a lefty. Is Noah Warren the right-hand shot then? I thought one of them was right-hand shot. Warren is a righty, yes. Okay. Oh, he yeah. listed him, yeah. Um, I, But in terms of that depth chart, I would say that Drysdale's one. One or two. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's what he's yeah. getting at. So yeah. I, I think Vakaninen shouldn't be on this list. I don't think Thompson will be on the Ducks in a month. Uh, I don't think he'll be in the Ducks system in a month. So I, I think it probably goes, for me personally, Drysdale, Leno, more Warren. Leno, yeah. I mean, I think you could you could quibble between Leno and uh, and more if you're like a more believer. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, I I really want to dig into watching some of Tristan Leno because I feel like I've just been ignoring him. So we'll see. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe yeah. I'll come out with a new opinion. Yeah. Um. All right. App of the Unbannable says rank your top three soups. Okay. Ramen well, let's and save, let, Let's save okay. that one for later. Save that one for later. I don't have to come back to this though. Just do it quick. Uh, I'm passing on it. All right. Clam chowder, ramen, and udon. There we go. Okay. Uh, Isaac said, who are the top two trade options you see from our young D-men? Ooh, that is a good question. Ooh. I mean, the top, the top, honestly, the best one is Olin Zellweger. That is the best one. Like, he is the most attractive piece, I think, to other teams. I think he also could be one of the most impactful guys, so that's why you don't want to move him. Correct. But I think, as I was kind of talking about last week, I feel like he's has a bit of a wider range of outcomes. Hmm. And so if you're trying to prognosticate and sell high, he could be one. Jamie another Drysdale, one, maybe. Tristan Luneau is another one. Like, this could be peak value for Tristan Luneau, right? Yeah. Now. I mean, that that's the tough part here, right? Is well, the question is, to... who are the best trade pieces? Not who I would personally trade. Well, so top, before... two trade, top two trade. Uh, fair. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Like, I'm not being asked... To trade, like, I'm not being asked who I would trade or who I want to. Trade. I'm just saying these Most are the best value. pieces. Probably yes. Drysdale and, and Zellweger or Drysdale Man, and People Michikov. are just like, people are sensey today, I think. Like, Bonnie's now upset that uh, I said that. Like, y'all got to listen to the words. <laughs> Don't get mad before you you can recite to me what I actually said and what the question wow. was. You have, to, you have to read the question, okay. read the call of the question, and read the answer before you can opine. 
because most people skip at least one of those steps. Brad, done. Brad, Brad said, "Wow, bon- Bonnie set you off a little bit there." Uh, Brad said, uh, I'm "Pod just, question. I'm, I'm oh. sick of the sick of the sick of the takery." <laughs> pod question over under fifty percent. Thompson Thompson craps the t- uh, top six if uh, Drysdale doesn't start the season. Drysdale does. What are the odds? Over? Do you go over or under fifty percent on those that like he's cra- in the top six? He's in the lineup. So A is over fifty percent if Drysdale doesn't start the season. B is under if Drysdale does. I think he's in no matter what. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he's... I mean, who comes out on the right side if Drysdale starts the season? If Drysdale starts the season, I mean, I just think that um, Thompson's he's, in... He's on the roster. No, but playing in the... Is playing, that not an option? Cracks the top six. So playing playing I mean, games I could on see, the defense. I could see Labushkin coming out. Like, okay. Labushkin's just a flyer, one-year guy. Like, he's not a, a monolith in this lineup to me. Okay. I doubt yeah. they, they traded a fourth round pick for him. I don't necessarily see them playing Thompson over him. So that's why I'm saying under 50% if Drysdale does over if Drysdale doesn't. I mean, you're probably um, right, but I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't play Eli Labushkin over last year. Thompson. The so. Connor Vidston Stan account said, what is, Oh, we'll, we'll save this one. How about that? I'll save okay. this one about Lou. Um, Jeffrey K said, I remember there being talk about Drysdale potentially aiming for an eight year contract. Uh, once we saw Sanderson sign his 8.05 times eight, if Drysdale is looking for an eight year deal, what AAV is reasonable? I mean, probably eight by eight. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, that's probably what he's asked, what he would be asking for. Well, reasonable is one thing. Comparable, I guess is another. So evolving wild has him at an eight year term at 4.411. Uh, Jake Sanderson though, I think on an eight year deal was similar to that. I don't think yeah. he was Jake Sanderson wrecked the model. Yeah, Jake Sanderson. Uh, what? Oh, uh, yeah. Give me one sec. I have to change something here in the way it's listed. But yeah, he he got way over what the model is. So that kind of screws up everyone else if they're gonna start using him as a comparison. Yeah. Uh, he's projected eight times seven. Yeah. So four to five million, I think, on an eight-year deal for uh for Jamie Drysdale. Um, let's see. Uh. Let's see. Mitch Brown's beloved said, now that Z is locked down for the whole season, what is your point projection for Z this upcoming season? Uh, I'll go 70 points. I'll go 80. I'll go conservative and say 70. But I'll yeah, go I think 80. 80 is a good guess too. Yep. Uh, the question from Lou actually was, is Metalingus the top three wrestling song, theme song ever? Yes, it is. There you go. One of the best. Brad said, with the injury to, L- to Kalorn and Zegris in the fold, who are the top 12? <laughs> oh, okay uh why don't you take this one okay i mean it i think it's honestly just who's on the roster right now on cap yeah Family. it's pretty terry much. terry henrique zegris silverberg strom vetrano mcginn jones Lee, uh, carlson mctavish carrick leeson yeah yeah it, i mean that's pretty much it like i don't see that really changing i think they may have been asking what the lines are but no i i think yeah. that that's that's it's kind of crazy that like it feels like a foregone conclusion right now that carlson's on the ducks to start the season i mean we could be wrong like it's it yeah you know we don't know for sure but it just feels like for where he's at in his development there's no harm in getting him in for nhl games like it there's no reason not to basically and he doesn't look so out of his element so far yeah uh, let's see. Uh, Lactic said, "Pick three Ducks players. One that will perform better than expectations this year. 
one that will not be with the team after the trade deadline, <laughs> one that will have the most penalty minutes. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Uh, most penalty minutes. Does Radko Gudis get a lot of penalty minutes? Uh, don't know. Okay, I'll go. I'll go Max Jones for penalty minutes. Yeah, that's a good one. Player that will defy expectations is that another one? Uh, perform better than expectations this year. I'm going. I'm going Trevor Zegers. I feel like people are really down on him, and uh, just like his overall game, I think he defies Cap- that. Player that's gone after the trade line. I mean, I think this is an easy one. Starts with the uh, Ilya, ends with a uh, oh, okay, Bushkin. That's where you're going. I mean, with it. okay. You, I, is there any chance? Oh, I mean, Adam Henrique. Yeah. Although I feel like it's don't, less. Prob- don't take my answer for me. Wow. wow. I think it's less. I think it's less probable that Henrique. Um, wow. Taking my answers. Uh, who will perform better than expectations? Sam Carrick. Uh, not with the team after wow, the trade you, deadline. Adam Henrique. Come to my side, Sam Carrick. Yeah. Uh, and one that will have the most penalty minutes. Most penalty minutes. Uh, I'll go with Zach Cassian. No. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I'll go with Jacob Silverberg. Don't ask <laughs> okay. me why. I just think maybe the speeds pass him. And he's going to take a bunch of penalties. John Gibson. Uh, Justin Beck 11 said, Carlson is on the team. Zellweger is on the team. Kalorn is healthy. What are the power play units? Not what you think the coaches will do. What you guys would do. All right. Oh, let's man. each do one unit. Yeah. I mean, we can build ours together. Yeah. So Zell- I Zellweger at the point. Zellweger at the point. Carlson uh, on the right side. On the right flank. Okay. Trevor Zegra. Oh, man. I don't know what you Ter- do. This Ter- like- Terry in the bumper. Terry in the bumper. Zegras on the left. McTavish yeah. net front. Yeah. Or should Carlson be net front and McTavish on no, the, the half wall? I think... So, I think you have McTavish in front or in the bumper. Like, keep it all fluid, you know? So, like, that's yeah. just your starting position, but... Leo and and McTavish can can rotate, right? Like they can they can throw the other team off with that, but those five guys for sure. Yeah. No no question. D-Rock said, "What are you looking to see out of Lassie Thompson?" Oh man, I mean, I I'm not going to pretend I've watched him play a lot, but I'm just very curious cuz the rap on him seems to be that he's kind of lost some offense in his development and he's become more of a shutdown guy, which is fine. Like, hey, becoming an NHL role player is a great outcome for a player, but I'm curious to see if he can revive any of that playmaking that any of that offensive touch. Yeah. Cause I, I think having a guy that has a steady gap, good defensive shutdown type player, uh, I think is important, especially those guys, as someone those guys that, help you win, especially guys that can skate. And I'm not talking about like your prototypical, like big bludgering, uh, defenseman. I mean, I think Erica Branson's a guy that comes to mind when you think of that yeah. type of profile of a shutdown defenseman. doesn't seem like Lassie Thompson is that he's more the modern day shutdown guy yep. that is able to really stick with guys, skate with guys. Um, I kind of think actually him with cam Fowler would at least be somewhat interesting to me. Um, yeah. I, I, I think your point, you and I were chatting before the show that I don't, you don't know if basically Lassie would, or Thompson would be put in that type of situation where he's yeah. going to have to be playing in these high, high leverage situations with cam Fowler. But Fowler, if you look at some of the guys that he's played best, best with, I mean, his best run as a duck was when paired with Simone Dupre, who was yeah, a guy that was a good Lassie skater. Isn't, isn't really the same type of player, though. No, I don't, but I don't think. I mean, maybe I'm just completely misremembering, but Simone Dupre could skate and was able to have good gap control when he was at his best. He wasn't overtly physical. 
he was just really good at shutting down plays. Yeah, there's just a size difference for me there, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. So and and so that's I, I don't know if that really sums up what I'm looking for. The thing, but the thing is, is Lassie Thompson just doesn't have the NHL experience yet. True. And so I don't know if you throw him to the Wolves playing with Cam Fowler. Um, yeah. I mean, Lassie Thompson has played 18 NHL games in his career so far. So yeah. But I mean, it's gonna be, he it's is, gonna be a big jump. I mean, to be fair, he's the same draft class as Jackson Lacombe. Jackson Lacombe has played what one? Like yeah, it's but different circumstances for sure. Jackson Lacombe played four years of college. Like Jackson Lacombe had a one long, great uninterrupted development yes. run. Like he's, my, I'm just, my, I'm, I'm so high on Jackson Lacombe. Right my, now. my point here though, is that age wise, there is still development there. It just because he has not played significant NHL games does not mean there is not an NHL or in there. That, oh, yeah. That's I, where I, I'm I think he's in the, I think he's in the lineup. Okay. You're, you're the yeah. one kicking him off hey, the lineup with, with I, Drysdale. Yeah. Um, all right. Connor Vidson Stan account said, assuming that Zellweger, Manchukov, and Carlson spend the majority of the season in San Diego, what are your way too early Calder predictions for the 24-25 season? Will all three of them be in the Calder considerations? I think Carlson will be. Wait, wait. If they're assuming if they're, they're in, in San in, Diego? For this season, way too early Calder predictions for next season. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they should all be in it. I think Leo Carlson wins it, though. Terry Saved just said, do we think uh, that uh, that this is how Verbeek handles contract in generals? Are we going to see a repeat with McTavish next summer? I mean, that's what I'm kind of looking out for here, right? And what I was kind of mentioning is, is this going to be a trend or is this a one-off? If this is a one-off with how he handles these, then sure. Water under yeah. the bridge, move on. Not a big deal. And as some people had mentioned, it's a good deal for both sides. So move on. Nothing really to critique. I guess yep. the concern is, is this how he's going to handle every rfa coming off an elc moving forward yeah and, and it, so it also it also kind of loses its like power if you yeah. just do it every time like people aren't like the other and, side's not gonna bite basically yeah so. uh brad says how long will it take the team to feel comfortable and acclimated to cronin's system i'm gonna say 20 or 30 games i mean it's also such a new group like it's just there's a lot there but yeah i mean 20 to 30 games all-star break like that feels right but we'll see. Yeah. Maybe Cronin is a great coach, and he'll just have them playing that way right away. We'll see. Uh, Tussle, I think this is just like an open-ended question for us. What else has a 15% chance of happening before the season starts? <laughs> I, uh, I've i got nothing. 15% chance. I'll say Minchukov making the Ducks. Okay. There you go. There we go. One last question from Brad. Who do you see as the true veteran leaders on, the t- on this team, and do you see Terry expanding his role as a mentor to the kids? I mean, true veteran leaders is Fowler, Gudis, Kalorn, yeah, Strom, Hen- Strom, Henrique, yeah. So, yeah. Um, creeping sandwiches of fascism said, "What are the odds Jamie sits out more than five games, and what would you do to grow the game more internationally?" Uh, have games in places besides Europe. Play so games like, and have a game in Mexico. Yeah, Mexico, Australia. Um, they just did one in Australia, but yeah, just like. Not that I don't like, I think the European fans, it's great when they get NHL games, but they have their own domestic leagues that are really popular. So if you really want to grow it, go to places that don't really have hockey or don't have it at that level. And I think one other thing here is that if you go to those places, you have to go back. Like, yeah. You, you can't just Follow go up. to Australia once. You have to go back. And odds Jamie sits more than five games. I'm going to go low. 15%. But that one's that one's gotten weird, so I don't know. I'll go fifteen percent. Yeah. Okay. okay. 
Um, all right. And now we're going to go to questions from Twitter. Um, let me just go to my DMs very quickly. This came from Troy Terry's Confidence. Question for tonight's pod. As we approach the start of the season, uh, Verbeek is looking to add either a top defense pair or an elite first line. Who you got? Uh, Holzer-Larsen pairing or the Delorier-Grant-Rowney line? Like which one I would prefer? Yes. Oh, man. It's a joke. But oh, okay. wh- what would you rather add, that pairing or that line? I think at that line. Carter Rowney was was decent. That line was so bad. I'll, go, that, Holzer, I'll go Holzer Larson. Jacob Larson was like, I was deleting a bunch of files on my laptop today, and I found an old clip of a, like a Ducks three-on-one against Vegas in the COVID season, and Jacob Larson had the puck. Is that and- why you sent that? And he almost screwed it up. Like he overhandled the crap out of the puck and he put it on Max Contois' tape uh, to put it away. Yeah, I sent you guys a clip of a shift of a. I was so confused. Steel Contois Terry line and they look good. And now two thirds of it are gone. But I was so damn confused about what that was. Uh, Let's see. I met. Let's see. Mike's saying I missed a few questions. Oh, I did. Where did those come from? Uh, all right, we have a couple more in Discord, actually. Uh, we'll get to the non-related questions. I'll skin through them in Discord once we get through all the Twitter qu- Twitch questions. Uh, Solani Sandwich has thoughts on the Kelsey Mighty Ducks hat flex. Fantastic hat. Uh, Malarkey said, do you believe Verbeek when he says Z is a core foundational piece for the Ducks' future? I don't know, actually. I don't really fully believe him, no. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, Tiki Lore said, "With Zegra signed, does Pat letting Simone Benoit or Simon Benoit walk in free agency become his biggest blunder?" Uh, no, I think Simone. Simon, I keep saying Simone. I don't know why. I, I think letting Simon Benoit was a fine, was the correct move. He was yeah, not worth that's the not a blunder. Spot. The blunder, yeah. probably the biggest blunder, is letting Sonny Milano walk. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's a way bigger blunder than Benoit. Yeah. Um, shocking 911 said, what do you think, uh, we get for Zegris when he is traded? If he's traded, they get an absolute like haul for him because he's yeah, going to keep producing. Cause he's an RFA. Too. Like that's, he's more tradable this way with yeah. the two years remaining at the end, but let's not, let's not go there quite yet. That yep. is, I, I don't think it's going there. Uh, Hey, Odifo said was part of her beaks negotiation strategy, a, fi- a psychological tactic to add an additional chip on Zegris's shoulder. I mean, what I mean, a waste of time if that's true. Yeah, definitely a waste of time. Do that in the off season, um, then like, sign right before the camp. You're right allowed to camp. just talk to the player and like tell him. I what mean, you that want that also gets into the that, that also gets into like the the Bob Murray like camp yes. of like um, like me, like a uh, abusive behavior in some ways. Well, I w- I wouldn't go that far. I would not go that far. But that is just like. Uh, yeah, it it you're you're flirting with the wrong realm when you're doing yeah. shit like that. So yep. All right. So with all that being said, we're gonna start getting to our Twitch and YouTube chat. So please, if you have questions in the Twitch and YouTube chat, uh, please throw them in with question at the very front of it, uh, so we can get to that. So if you're listening to this podcast on your favorite podcast services, please check us out twitch.tv slash crash pond, where if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month, where it does help out more than you can imagine. Uh, you just have to hit that subscribe button every 30 days, and you can be just like uh, SJ Hawking, who resubbed for his 20th month, and Lactic Acid, who resubbed uh, or who subscribed to the first time. So thank you both so much. And then 
Um, if you want to support us another way, go to our YouTube channel. We're really trying to do a big push over there. Felix is putting out some great videos. I've been putting out shorts from the podcast. Go to youtube.com slash crash pond and please subscribe to the channel, like our videos, and uh, please support us over there. Yeah, we've got we've got 47 people from YouTube in here right now. Yeah. So, so if you're watching out. this, enjoying it, and not subscribed, it's very easy. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. And also, if you enjoy it, you'll get notified every time we go live. Uh, Ducks has questions, uh, some questions for us. Assuming the Ducks uh, show clear signs of progress, are there any interesting UFAs you could see or would like to see the Ducks target next offseason? Oh, man. So I have not really thought at all about the ducks about next summer's ufa class it's i mean it was a lot better when austin matthews was in it yeah without matthews let's see stamkos has is is up so that's not happening uh william nylander's ufa and that's the one everyone loves to talk about william nylander as a free agent would be an interesting signing depending on what the deal is i mean he's gonna get paid so i i don't know toivo teravainen could be a fun one could could help the team uh but yeah there's not doesn't look like there's any big game-changing names jonathan marcheseau will be a free agent next summer imagine that marcheseau and the yeah the ducks duck killer joins the ducks Corey perry is a free agent again <laughs> bring uh, bring him home bring him home pat Dave, david perron jordan everly anthony mantha it's not exactly a who's who yeah also brent seabrook it says he's a ufa and it says he's on the lightning he got bought out, right, or something? No, his contract got traded there. Oh, that's right. Okay. LTR. <laughs> I was so confused for a second. <laughs> uh, so okay. he also said, do we see the Ducks make a trade for a legit difference maker this slash next season? If yes, what type of player slash position would you guess we go for? Winger. Yeah, forward for sure, and probably winger. And I would expect that to happen next season, not this season. I could but see you never happen. know. I you never I know when a, a situation just un- unfolds out of nowhere. I so. think there's a reason the Ducks were in on Debrinkat. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, they're targeting that kind of player for sure. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's one of those things where you cannot, you cannot say, well, this is the year we're going to target that because you don't know who's going to be available. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you have to keep an eye on who's available. And if it's a fit that you like and you're able to make a good deal and give up players from your position of strength, which keep in mind, we all love the D prospects. There's only six defensemen that can play in a game. Unless yeah. I guess you're Dallas Akins and play seven defensemen. Um, but there's only six defensemen that can play in a game. And the Ducks are what, like 10 deep of potential NHL defensemen? They have a lot of guys. So, and, like, yeah. use those guys to leverage that for your position of weakness, which is scoring wingers. It's very unlikely all these guys will end up being Ducks. Yep. Put it that way. Uh, and then he also said, for Felix, uh, who do you think has the better season this year between Montreal and Anaheim? Also, to, who do you think has the better future as of right now? Well, given that I predicted on our Patreon pod that the Habs finish ahead of Detroit, and did I say Ottawa too? I think I, I may have. I, I think so. I'm going to say the Habs just as a hopeful blind fan, but putting on my analyst cap, it's probably the Ducks. Can so. I have a Can I have a bone to pick? Okay. I have a bone to pick. More what so with national, national media. I was listening to the DFO show today. And oh, boy. I, I feel like just... And maybe this is more so not national media. Maybe it's more so just can I, can, I, can I cut in really quickly? Okay. When has Frank Cervalli ever had a good opinion on the Ducks? Well, it's not just him. It's Jason Greger. And I think, but I think that Jason this is, Greger too. Put him all of them. I, I think this is a prevailing thought process that I see throughout national media from time to time, though, is 
essentially the ducks are just going to be a basement dweller and it's possible they are for sure i mean we had them but, we had them what seventh in our yeah. prediction so uh i think i had them up at sixth but that was me being hopeful you said but you my, said that was you being hopeful so yes but i think that in some ways the I think the Ducks are never... This is just kind of what I thought about was... I feel like the Ducks are never going to get the respect in terms of actual evaluation of the roster and in terms of where they're going to be at and making their next step until it's already happened. Like, it's every single year, it's going to be a, okay, they're bad. Okay, they're going to be bad. They're in a rebuild. They're going to be bad. And it's not going to take a step until they just make the jump. Well, I I think there is some basis, though. Like, this roster is not drastically different than last year's. There's a lot of unknowns. Like I get the hesitancy. I think the I think the defense is a lot different. Yeah, but like in terms of how you feel about it, it doesn't look like oh all of a sudden I'm sold. This is a great blue line, right? And so I I understand why you'd be skeptical. I mean, hell, I have them seventh in the Pacific. I am yeah. skeptical, but I I just think that unless you follow this team very closely, you're not going to put in the time to say oh yeah that's a team that could. You well, know, maybe be a little tiny bit surprising and finish sixth as Jake has them. Well, yeah, but I just feel like even I mean, like you the have Ducks- them finishing sixth, so like, are you really fair. that much different than these people? Yeah, fair. But my point is, is that the the thought process of the defense, they're basically like the defense has nobody's on it, like Jackson Lacombe's playing, and it's like I get it, but you have those same you have, would have that same type of guy in maybe like Ottawa per se, and there would be a whole lot more conversation around that guy and being an NHLer into that spot. So. Just or Vancouver, for instance, with Frank being in Vancouver this week, like it's more so just a minor bone to pick, and it's always going to be there with the Ducks and national media. I mean, and you're I, you're I putting just, just say you hate that show instead of putting on national media because it, it's always them. So I would pin it more on the DFO show than uh, national media as a whole. Okay, fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, see. Frank just Frank categorically always has shitty Ducks takes, so I'm just not really putting yeah. much stock in them. Yeah. Uh, Michael B said, question maybe more for Felix. Is the correct way to pronounce Luno's first name Tristan? Or like Edom and Carol were saying uh, we're going with yesterday? Well, yeah. I mean, Tristan Luno is not... Uh, no, Tristan or Tristan. Like the emphasis on the So in second. French, it's pronounced Tristan. Tristan. So Tristan is still inaccurate, but it's closer. The actual, okay. the, the final, the, the N at the end is silent. So you're not even supposed to pronounce the N. Um, but yeah, so the way they're doing it is better, but still wrong, but I okay. agree. I applaud them for trying, but it's not Tristan. Sean fight said, why do I see macho man? When I seen good, see Gudis? I see a civil <laughs> war general. <laughs> yeah, man. He he's, I really would love to see him with Fowler just cause I think that'd be a great pairing. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Andrew Fisher said thought for beak wants, uh, Oh, that's not a question. Uh, Michael B said, question, does Leno get any NHL game? Thought he looks, he's looked really good, uh, especially yesterday. Leno? Yeah, I don't think he does. Well, I don't think he's making it because he, I, he can't go to the AHL. I don't really see him taking up a spot. There's already so many guys up front. I, I have yet to really dig into watching him, so I can't really say. But, um, yeah, I think he's bound for juniors. So yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. Twinkie boy said question. Cassian, he makes the team as solid as role beloved by his teammates and fans gets extended past the season. Will you both <laughs> apologize on this show for how you've spoken about him? If Zach Cassian, will you eat a hat? That is, Zach that is Cassian always a question. Makes the ducks and has positive metrics 
and is not a complete. Now you're black... changing the. Now you're changing that the hypothetical. Sol- he said solid at his role. That is important for being solid at his role. Being solid at his role is not being a black hole for <laughs> for for shot metrics and being on the ice and getting caved in anytime he's on the ice. So if he is not caved in every time he is on the ice and is able to be a replacement level player, well, I'm setting that. I'm setting that as the low benchmark for him of just being replacement level. Will you eat a hat? Then That's yes, what... he will get an apology from me on this Pe- show. People want to see you devour a hat. Didn't devour the hat you would... on your head. Wait, what did you say you would eat a hat for? I don't know. You don't said know. it for something. Hold me accountable because I'm not going to remember myself. So yeah. Uh, DB Lowry said, "Question: What do you think of Cronin so far? What do you think the system will be that he employs?" I mean. He's talked a lot about kind of playing this high pressure style. Yep. And you saw it a little bit against Arizona on Sunday where the Ducks got a goal basically just off of great forechecking. And they've had a couple they've had a few shifts here and there when it's the I mean, if part of it too it's the NHL guys that are out there against lesser talents, but they've had some really good forechecking sequences and I think that that's what he wants is a team that applies a lot of pressure that sound response that's responsible defensively but i don't really have much thought on cronin thus far like he's fun to listen to but i will judge him based on how this team plays when points are on the line personally yep and or or when the actual roster is because right now it's just so hodgepodge every game so yeah so i think that's gonna do it so far for the questions in these two so let's let's just get to the off-topic questions that i held held off for a bit Connor Vidston Stan account said in our discord. Uh, and by the way, if people have off topic uh, questions or on topic, either way, Twitch, yeah. YouTube, throw them in. We're kind of in the hodgepodge portion. of We the have show. a few more minutes here. So yeah. Uh, what is Lou's beef with Japanese food? First rice. And now this, they said seafood's pointless and overrated. I mean, I've, I've been away from our discord from for the last few days and I intend to stay out for a few more days. And I got to say not being exposed to just, crappy takes constantly it's been kind of refreshing but yes I mean, lou has the you, worst food takes i was about to say you can just say lou yeah well no there you i mean you're no uh you're no angel in this conversation either what did i do you have some pretty poor food takes do i you do um all right and then uh where is this creeping sandwiches of fashion fascism said favorite thing you bought from Tra- you've bought from trader joe's and what's your least favorite Oh man, favorite thing from Trader Joe's. I mean, what what category do you want to go here? I um, mean, ba- basically, their entire like dessert aisle is their just entire great. like frozen aisle. Also, dessert and frozen is kind of their hallmark. I mean, all of it though. I mean, they're they're frozen. Um, the they they have yeah. their their like fried gar- uh, pesto pizza. That's so so good. Yeah. Um, least favorite. What's my lead? There's been some things that I've gotten that I don't love. Um, their meat selection isn't the best. Um, their their chicken shawarma has really upset my stomach. You know what's really random, but that's true about Trader Joe's. Their blackberries always have the right texture. They're always not too soggy, not too crunchy. It's really weird. Trader yeah. Joe's blackberries. Check them As out. Salem's making her appearance behind me. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, DB Lowry said, question, Jacob Larson... Uh, versus Curtis Foster versus Mark Fistrick. Who are you taking? Mark Fistrick. Yeah, I don't. I didn't watch the other two outside of Larson, so I'll pick Jacob Larson. 
I'll pick Mark- prospect. I'll pick prospect Jacob Larson. How about that? <laughs> TM said, what do you guys think about Zellweger's above average stick rotation during training camp? Apparently he keeps seven sticks on hand at all time. That's interesting. I did not know that. I did not um, know that either. I mean, hey, if I had free sticks, I would do stuff like that too. Hell, so. if I had to pay for a stick, but I was getting paid to play hockey, I would yeah. have that many sticks on hand. I mean, he plays, he's such a like, he's always out there doing stuff. He's so active. So he probably breaks a lot. Of, like he probably breaks more sticks than the average player, I would imagine. Yeah, probably. Uh, Let's see. I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Oh yeah, dark getting... chocolate, dark chocolate PB cups, DB Lowry. I oh. was eating some of those today, and I was like, "Damn, I cannot. I have no self control." So you're getting called out, by the way. Plant Red saying, first you attack Bonnie, now you say say you're not. You're glad you're not on Discord." Uh, I did not. I did not attack Bonnie. I defended myself from Bonnie. <laughs> Two different things. Wow. Two much different things. And glad I'm not on Discord. Uh, yeah, I am. Wow. For now. For now as you're as you're about to plug our patreon for now no i mean so for those just for clarity just so people don't get it twisted <laughs> i'm taking a break from things that are very very distracting for me and discord is one of those not because of anything bad but just because when i'm in there i get caught up in conversations and i end up staying in there longer than i should and i end up not doing things that i should be doing that are productive so that's all yep sure sure Make and I just throw up and I hate all of you. That's really yeah. the real reason there. There it is. All right. Why don't you land this plane? <laughs> have you seen me try to land a plane? Have you, have you not, seen, <laughs> yeah, have you not yeah. seen my flight simulator streams? That wanna, was unintentional, but perfect. I want to I bring those back. I don't have time, but no. those were fun. Please don't. Why not? They were fun. Were they Lou, Lou, Lou and and Dacian were the two people that would watch them. <laughs> they, Those were they, like the height they, of, of boredom for me. They were your ride or dies. Yeah, yeah. Remember the remember the one night we uh we streamed FIFA. FIFA. And yeah. we bought that stupid game that we couldn't make work. Nidhog. No, it worked. It worked. I can't, believe, I can't believe you convinced me to spend money on that. It was like three dollars just for content. It was like three dollars and then i whooped you in fifa so it worked out no you did not it worked out there's tape there's, there's evidence no. there there's not tapes the tapes have been burned <laughs> actually wow. no wait there are no tapes actually twitch deletes after a certain period of time so they have been well, deleted that that, uh, that that tells you all you need to know folks if you if you la- had to burn the tapes last one left asked me uh jake who's adam copeland he only knows edge well you know he's the rated r superstar and i mean do you think you know him though i i think you do I don't know what's going on. Correct. You were like weeping on Twitter about it wrestling. Was, I day. was teary eyed yesterday. You were like, I'm shaking. I was. <laughs> doctors now. The Get this man a- some doctors. Adam Copeland debuting in AEW. This promotion that I've watched every show of besides a couple of rampages and like a collision that I've watched since its incarnation. And to see someone like Edge, who I grew up watching with one of the most iconic theme musics in wrestling, make his debut with that music, with them re-recording the You Think You Know Me. And that just hitting, it just drove the emotions out of me. Sometimes you can't control it. You just have to go with it. Well, I I do believe that because, so for all you NBA fans that are listening, 
a very large trade happened in the NBA last week. Damian Lillard traded to the Bucks after months of reporting he was going to the Miami Heat. And I was in class as this was happening. And afterwards, my friend told me, he's like, yeah, man, you you audibly gasped while when that happened, like as class was going on. So emotions, sports, that's what we love. Yeah. I'm hoping to have some of that watching the, the Ducks this season. Yeah. Instead of... Well, th- that's why I'm so happy this all is Oliver, because I'm not going to lie. I have grown to detest these insider conversations, like who's more trustworthy than who, like blah, blah, you don't know, they don't know. It's just like, I'm just done with it. Can we, I'm yep. like, I never, I don't want to think about this again for like years. I mean, Drysdale is still unsigned, so there's that. Yeah, I'm, I care about that less. Fair. <laughs> I'm fed up. Yeah, thank you, Diplo. <laughs> I am just, I'm fed all the way up. It's, I had to, I had to mute my entire Twitter today. Like, I've never had to do that. I, I muted all notifications except from people that I follow because I was just getting a shitstorm for voicing an opinion. So, anyway, and that's fine. People can respond, but if you act like a dickhead in the replies, you get, you get blocked. So this is anyway. this this is uh definitely how I expect you to land a plane though, just like in Flight Simulator. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm crashing the plane. Um, but on that note, crash the pond. If you want to help support the show, a very easy way for you to do that. Number one is to join our Patreon community. Uh, this is really a great way for not only for you to support us, but also to get more benefit for yourself. For one dollar a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord community, and this is a great place for you to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. It's really also a great place to get news. They're always going to be popping in there right as they're happening. You don't really even need Twitter when you're in our Discord, uh, but there's also great channels in there so you can discuss other things. We have a great football talk channel, wrestling if you're a wrestling fan. I know we have wrestling fans listening to us. Uh, For $5 a month, you get access to two bonus podcasts, and we have a great one coming up this month. Jake and I will be placing... We'll be doing a, a draft of sorts where the loser will have to bear some consequences later we in are? the season. Yes. I, I, I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, patreon.com slash crash the pond. Uh, please, please. I think you'll get a kick out of it and you help us keep crashing the pond. Um, anyway, <laughs> that was terrible. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, you can also leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, this is really easy. It takes just a couple minutes and it goes a really long way to supporting the channel or supporting the podcast. You can also leave us a feedback and a rating on Spotify. That's also going to go a long way. We can we can grow there if you're a Spotify person. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Turn on your notifications if you're on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Crash the Pond. We have videos of the podcast. We have clips of the podcast. We have player breakdowns. There, the YouTube, I think, has become a really good resource if you're a, a fan of the show. And you're, you are you get more, I think, that way, too. So just check them all out. Uh, check out our website, CrashThePond.com. Follow Jake on Twitter, at ReindeerGames91. I'm on Twitter, Felix Sicard. And on that note, thank you for listening, everyone. I am so happy that the Trevor's eager is a sign that we don't have to do this anymore. And on that note, talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye.